Well, welcome to Dunphy Missionary Church and welcome to our sermon series on divine guidance. God's will for your life. This sermon series comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, the second half of verse 2, where it says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. So through this series, uh, you can go online and listen to some of the previous messages. But right now, we are in the middle of uh, a three mini-series within the series, which is God's will, very specifically what God's will is for the church that we looked at last week. Today, God's will for our thinking and our doing what we do. And next week, we will look at God's will for our location. Why are we where we are? Is God maybe calling me to be in a specific location? We'll look at that more next week. What I want to do is kind of get us thinking along the idea of divine guidance. And I'm going to do this in a very negative way. <laughs> I want to share with you five signs that you are not living with divine guidance. That maybe you do not know what God's will is for your life. So that first sign is that you blatantly live in sin. As if it doesn't really matter. It's the most obvious, isn't it? You are not living with divine guidance if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. If we Christians blatantly disobey God's word, Bible doctrine that he has provided for us to know his will, then we are living what we call a carnal life. We don't look any different than somebody else that doesn't even know Jesus Christ. And we are walking without being in fellowship with God. We will certainly experience a sense of despair in our life. So this first one's pretty straightforward, huh? Well, let's look at the second sign that you are not living in, under divine guidance and that you may not even know what God's will for your life is. That would be you lack excitement, contentment, and fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you wake up every day filled with apathy, dread, total boredom, you are probably not doing what God meant for you to do. Remember, he said that his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. You may be wandering away from what God's will is for your life. Or you still haven't even taken care of that first sign and you're still living blatantly in sin. We should all know that God created us, each one of us with uniqueness. God has really good things planned for your life. 
sure, there are going to be difficulties. We are going to all encounter some difficulties, but overall, we should experience a sense of excitement, contentment, and fruit of the Spirit. It's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things should fill our days. Our work and our hobbies should, should tap into our skills and our passions that God has given to us. And our relationships should involve giving and receiving. No doubt, we will need to do certain things that are boring and unfulfilling in this world. It's just a fact of life in this world, right? But because we are not of the world, our entire life should not be filled with dread and boredom. Number three. a sign that you are not living in divine guidance or you may not even know what God's will is for your life. You work so that you don't need to work. You know that feeling of pointless work? You go to the office, you clock in, you do your job, you work hard, then you go home and you collapse in front of the TV. If we just work for weekends or we just work for those vacation days or for retirement, if we find no true joy among the people that we work with or the work that we perform or the accomplishment of a job well done, then we may need to rethink our career and we may need to rethink where we are headed we probably are not moving forward with divine guidance. So number four, that you may not be living in divine guidance or know what God's will is for your life, you feel stuck. If you desperately want a change, but also feel totally stuck in your life, that is almost certainly a sign that you are not walking according to God's will. Feeling stuck means that we want to go in a particular direction, but we just don't know how to get there. So we just spin our wheels, and we feel endlessly frustrated. And we're just not sure. We're not sure how to make that frustration end. Do you ever feel trapped? And number five, the sign that you may not be living in divine guidance or perhaps not even know what the will of God is for your life, you just have no direction in your life. If we don't live under divine guidance, then we constantly feel a sense of aimlessness. Do you feel as though you are wandering from thing to thing without any forward progress? God's will for your life will help you identify specific goals to work toward. 
You know, even the Israelites that were brought out of Egypt had a goal, even as they were wandering for 40 years, they had the goal of making it to the promised land. We all experience at least one of these five things in our life, don't we? That is why Dunphy Missionary Church is spending some time with this sermon series, Divine Guidance, God's Will for Your Life. We started out with the idea of rebound. We know that even though we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we accept that He hung on the cross and died for us, that sometimes we still slip back into our old sin nature. And when we do that, we are no longer in fellowship with God. But to understand divine guidance and and His will for our life, we need to get back in fellowship with Him. We need to rebound back in. So we looked at 1 John 1.9 where it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. That means that at that moment that we fall on our knees and ask God's forgiveness and start that conversation with Him, that He makes us righteous, holy, that we can walk in fellowship with Him. The next week we looked at holy habits. We said that we are people of habit. And sometimes we just need to look at what our habits are and maybe we need to look at our spiritual disciplines and practice our spiritual disciplines more so we are in habit of being with God more often. Train yourselves to be godly, is what 1 Timothy 4.7 says. And then the next week we looked at knowing what God's will is. It's very important to have an idea of what's written in His Word. This is His will for your life. And that's why last week and this week and next week we are looking at very specific parts of God's will in our life. The following week we looked at the the fact that we need to yield to God's will and that we need to grow by God's grace. It's only through God's grace that we are saved and it's only by God's grace that we can live in fellowship with Him. Then last week we looked at God's will within the church. And we saw that membership in a local church is very important and that the church is ordained by God as His redemptive agent in the world. That's our job, to be a redemptive agent in the world. And we saw by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there are many gifts that are given to individuals within the church and that we all have five things that we need to do. One, accept our responsibility. Two, accept that we will have limitations. It described it as we can't all be an eye, right? Where would the hearing be? The third thing we saw is that we have to honor one another and one another's giftedness. And we have to be aware of one another and others' giftedness. And a fifth thing, that we all need to be connected with the church. So this week, we're going to be looking at God, God's will for our thinking and following that with what we do because of what we think. 
So if you would open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. As you're finding your place in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to give you a little idea of what's happening here. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the people of Corinth. They lived in the town or the city of Corinth. He had already been to Corinth twice on his missionary journeys to set up Christian churches. He preached in the synagogues and he set up Christian churches. Corinth was a port town. So it's where a lot of sea-bearing ships came, where sailors were, all kinds of sinful activities were going on in this city called Corinth. And Corinth was deeply entrenched with Greek mythology and wisdom thinking. They said that's the means to worldly and godly perfection. They really liked to study people like the the Greek teachers of Plato and Aristotle, Socrates, and others. There were false teachers then in the new church that the Apostle Paul helped start in that area. And so they were trying to shake the faith of the church in Corinth. And people within the church were discrediting Paul. They were saying he was weak. They were saying he was indecisive. Whenever he was with them, he would be that way. They said, when you're here, you're all weak and indecisive, but oh, when you're away, you speak so boldly. You write these really bold things to us. You know, it's really not any different than what we see happening today. You go on any social media and you're going to get any type of person that thinks they can badmouth you through social media because they don't want to see you face to face and tell you what they really think. So they're going to badmouth you and they're going to bully you when you're not around. And that's what they were doing to Paul. They were bullying him. But Paul was just bringing them the word of God as the Holy Spirit filled him to share with the church. So in verse 4 of chapter 10 in 2 Corinthians, Paul identifies Christians as living by divine guidance. And as we do that, we have powerful weapons against any stronghold. And then we get to our key verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If we were to consider this question, what does God want me to think? To think what God wants us to think, the center of our being, what what digs deep down into our soul and into our mind becomes fully subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what he's telling us in his word. God is calling us to have his will in our thinking. 
Our thoughts must be filled with the knowledge of God, His Word, Bible doctrine in our soul. The Bible tells us here in this scripture to take every thought captive. That means that we have a chance to do something about all those thoughts that are not pleasing to God. Thoughts pop into our mind and we're supposed to take them captive before they enter our heart, before they enter the part of our soul of who we really are. So let's consider a daily situation that most all of us have had an opportunity to take a thought captive. Think of this. Perhaps the supervisor at work gives you a task that you hate. Immediately, negative and complaining thoughts come into your head. These thoughts are temptations. Now, there's nothing wrong with a temptation. It's not sinful. Jesus was tempted. It's what you do with these temptations and these thoughts that come into your head. And we have a chance to do something about them before they enter our heart, before they become a part of who we are. These types of thoughts need to be taken captive by choosing to obey God's word, God's will. So we need to consider his word in his scripture. Philippians 2.14 just happens to say this, do everything without complaining or arguing. Such a choice requires a real battle, doesn't it? A battle in our thought life. But the weapons of our warfare, the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit are mighty to help us do this. By praying to God in the moment, when we sense that we are being tempted, we can receive power to keep our thoughts captive and pure. Then we have taken them captive and, and we've aligned them with Jesus Christ. Almost all talks of battles especially in the New Testament and in our Christian life, refers to the inner battle that arises when a sinful thought enters our minds and tempts us. God's spirit and the flesh are at odds. When we have decided to only do God's will for our lives, then we are being led by the Holy Spirit and by divine guidance. And a very real conflict between that flesh, that old sin nature, and the Holy Spirit arises. God's Holy Spirit offers us grace and offers us power to bring thoughts into captivity and into the obedience of Christ. And in this process, when the supervisor assigns us that task that we hate, we can do it. We can do it without complaining or without arguing. We become transformed in the person that God has called us to be. We have a wonderful hope, a living hope, that by overcoming sin in our thought life, we can become a little bit more like Christ. Each day, 
in each moment that we progress. By having God's will in our thinking, we become valuable tools in God's hand. Allowing this inner work that God wants to do in us is one of the greatest tasks that we can take on in this life. Jesus finished paying the penalty of sin on the cross. Our sin problem is already gone. The victory has already been won. It's because of the indescribable love of Jesus that each one of us has access to the resurrection power of God. There is victory over sin. Victory over sin means that we do not commit conscious sin. Those things that we know would be a sin at the time, we take them captive. And we make them obedient to Christ. God's will is that we do not give in to the sin, even in our thoughts. Victory over sin starts at that temptation. Temptations outside of God's will are overcome by our thought process and making it captive to Christ. It's because of the victory of Jesus Christ, because of the power that he gives us from the cross and the resurrection. I put a a few verses in your notes today that you might want to read later today or later this week just to give you some reassurance of God's love and hope for our life. Divine guidance. God's will for our thinking. Now what does God want me to do? Proverbs 16.3 16.3 if you want to write it down says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Sometimes you're just not quite sure. But you're going to step out and do it, and you're going to do it in faith. Commit it to God, and he will establish your plans. This involves everything we do as Christians. We do everything to the glory of God. God's will in our doing is an outward and a, a visible response to that inward thinking of taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. And then we function according to God's will. God's will in our doing. We covered it a few weeks ago, really, in a lot more detail, where we said we need to yield to the will of God. We, we take the idea that God has a good, pleasing, and perfect plan for our life. And we accept that even before we know exactly what it is that he's going to ask us to do. We must release all that we are and all that we have to him. That's what we call making Jesus Lord of our life. Allow Jesus to be Lord of your life no matter what you are doing and God's will in our doing, we'll start there with Jesus. That's why we live this vision that we have. 
to glorify God by being devoted, thinking and doing, being devoted to Him, one another, and reaching the world for Jesus. God has gifted each of us in different ways, and He has allowed us to each have different experiences in our life, different circumstances that we're all sitting in right here today. We are not called to be clones of what someone else is doing. We are called to do what God's will is for our life. We have different careers. We have different families, even different feelings. But we can all put God first in our life. This is indeed what it means to follow God's will in our doing. As we apply God's will to our life, we begin to see that our work and our hobbies tap into the skills and passions that God has built into us. We don't just work so that we have money to pay the bills. Our relationship is what's important. Our relationship with God and with others begins with getting involved in giving and receiving. God fills our heart with love of all people because we realize how great His love is for us. And that He so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus. God's Word is filled with wonderful do's and don'ts that lead us to do what His desire is for us. Here are some questions I think we all need to ponder. If you really desire to do what God's will is for your life, are you living a faith-rest life? Can you rest moment by moment in your daily life because of your strong faith? Faith that God is providing His divine guidance for you. Are you confident that God's will for your life is being lived right now, right here, and everywhere that you go? Is your life occupied with the eternal love of Jesus Christ our Lord? Sometimes we need to stop to consider, what could we do to better, better glorify God? When we have difficult real-life decisions to make, what decision that I make will have the greatest impact on God's kingdom? Are you filled with this Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost and living a Holy Ghost life? Do you know the power of God in you? Man, Sometimes we just need to stop and consider the resurrection power that lifted Jesus Christ from the dead and ascended Him into heaven is the power that's within each one of us that accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Are you willing to live according to the Word, even in this world? Well, have you even read God's Word? Have you been in the Bible today? 
to see what God's will is for you? Or are you just allowing circumstances of each day to figure out what is my guide of the day? What do I need to do today because of the circumstances that I'm in today? Are you praying? Are you initiating that conversation with God? Our Father in heaven, our good, good Father. Do you take time to talk to him? And more importantly, listen to what God is telling you. Here's the last thing I want you to ponder. Are you doing church in all that you do? Forget what the world thinks church is. Are you doing church in all that you do? Church has never been intended to be a building. Even in the Old Testament, when King David wanted to build a temple for God, God said, I didn't tell you to do that. You don't need to build me some fancy-dancy building. We do church by meeting people where they are. We don't wait for them to walk in the doors. Are you doing church in everything you do? Jesus has called the church to the ministry of reconciliation, to be a living hope to people everywhere. Are you doing that in your life? God's will in our doing. An outward and visible sign of taking captive every thought that comes into your mind and making it obedient to Christ. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Thank you, God, for this single verse of Scripture today, for lining out for us what your will is in our thoughts and in our doing so that we can walk as righteous people because we've come to you and and we've confessed our sin so that we can be a living hope to one another within the church but also to people everywhere that we meet each and every day. Lord, just continue to fill us with your power. Remind us each day when that temptation comes into our mind that we are to take it and think about what would Jesus do and make it obedient to Christ. And help us to do that in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.